Thank you, Pam. That was beautiful. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Doesn't Pam do a good job with that? It's amazing. She can play the piano and the flute at the same time. I think that that's very impressive. Acts chapter 1, we are launching our series in the book of Acts. And the premise that I want to to establish today is that the church is important. And the church is still important in 2022. And one of the things that I want us to do as we dive into this book, we're going to read through this first chapter, and it it might take us a little while to get through chapter 1, but uh, I, I think that we need to lay a foundation for it. So let's start reading Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. The former treatise, Have I Made O Theophilus? So the former treatise was the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke chapter 1 and verse 3, he addresses the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus as well. So the former treatise, Have I Made O Theophilus? Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? But he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Lord, please help us as we begin this book of the Bible. And Father, there's no way that I can communicate everything that's in this book. But Father, I pray that what is communicated brings glory to you and exalts your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to establish some foundational principles. What are our foundational principles? Well, this first principle is that every word of God is pure. We believe every word of this book of Acts. Amen? We believe every word of it and every word of God is true, but we have to understand the context. Now, one of the things that I want to, I wrote this down, I want to say it well. Don't be put off or discouraged by repetition. So, how many of you have heard me teach before in the last 25 years? How many of you have ever heard me? I have dealt with passages from the book of Acts hundreds of times with you. But remember, repetition 
is the key to learning. Our friend Mark Rasmussen, when I was in college all these years ago, he'd say that over and over again. Repetition is the key to learning. So when you hear me cover something like uh, the the passage in verse 6, the end of verse 6, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? How many of you have heard me teach on that? Any of you heard every, Well, if I'm going to preach through the book of Acts, I've got to teach through it again. All right? So don't be discouraged when you hear repetition. But I promise you, I'm going to study it anew. I'm going to study it as if I've never studied it before. And uh, I'm going to try and keep it fresh. But they still ask that same question. And the answer is still the same. Right? And so don't be discouraged when you hear some of the same things. Um, all right, so good. That, that's, my, that's my warning to you. The second thing that I want you to remember is if we're going to study the book, we have to remember some of our principles of Bible study. The first is the principle of context. So what is the context of the book of Acts? Well, it's the history of the church. It's the history of Jesus Christ establishing the church, them continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It it teaches us how to do ministry. It's vital. So it is our history of the church. We have four Gospels, which are the history of the Lord's work on earth. But then the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that's the history of the church. The Old Testament is not about the church. Amen? People get really messed up when they try to find the church in the Old Testament. You have to have the New Testament before you can have a New Testament church. It's funny how that works. I just saw Ben down there. That is awesome. Everybody turn around. Look at Ben. Look at that. Look at that boy. He knows we're talking about him. Look at that. That is awesome. Um, you continue to tell him a grandfather now. All these things change. So this, this understanding the context, the church is still important. And so when we look at the history of the church, we're going to learn how was the church established? How did they begin working? How did it change? So we'll learn some things in the early part of the book of Acts that we don't do. Why? Because the book of Acts, and this is the most important part, it's a transitional book. And we've said this many times, but I have to say it again. The book of Acts is a transitional book. It's a transition from the Jewish gospels to the church epistles. So this is really fun. I had never noticed this. I've been around church all of my life, and I'd never noticed this. So go to the end of the book of Acts. I have been listening to the book of Acts while I walk and trying not to be a fat preacher. It's not working so far. But look look at this. So at the end of the book of Acts... So this is what, Acts chapter 28, verse 29. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So that's the end of the book of Acts. This is what the apostle Paul is doing. He is imprisoned in Rome. He's imprisoned in his home, but he's able to preach in his home. Look at the next verse. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Who's he writing to? The Romans. So what we have is Paul, the the book of Acts is a transition from the Jewish gospels to the church epistles. 
you can't have a church until the New Testament. The New Testament couldn't begin until the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews that a testament is not a force while the testator liveth. All right, so when Jesus Christ died, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament began with the death of Christ. Our, our salvation is guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ. And so that gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection began being preached at the beginning of the book of Acts. So Acts is a transition from the Jewish gospels to the church epistles. It's also a transition from the apostle Peter, the apostle to the Jews, to the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And you'll see a distinct change by the time you get to Acts chapter 7 from Acts chapter 8 on. All the way up until Acts chapter 7, there's still an offer of the Messiah to the Jews. From Acts chapter 8, the first thing that happens is they end up going to Samaria, and then the Ethiopian eunuch is reached, and he goes to the other most parts of the earth. So that, that Acts chapter 8, there's a transition that takes place right there. There's a shift that takes place. So there's a, there's a transition from the ministry of the Apostle Peter to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle to the Jews, the Apostle Peter to the apostle, to the Gentiles, the apostle Paul. And isn't it interesting, for Bible-preaching churches, the apostle Paul is the one that we will rely on more than any other. How many of you know that there is another church organization that relies on Peter more than on Paul? How many of you know that that is an ex- This is why the book of Acts is so important. There is so much doctrinal error that comes from relying only on the Gospels for the church. That gives you doctrinal error. Because you can't really know what a church is supposed to be without the writings of the Apostle Paul. And so it's important that we rely on the church epistles. The book of Acts tells us how that happened. And it's the transition from Peter to Paul. And it's vital that we understand that. It's a transition from the law to grace. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus Christ tells the lepers, go and present yourself to the temple. Do the, do the rites of purification. Why? Because they were still under the law. And that's where the book of Acts becomes so important. Because what we'll see is the shift, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's a shift from the law to grace. And by the time we get to the book of Romans, it's all about we are no longer under the law. We are under grace. Very important that we see that as we looked at last week. So, our foundational principles. Every word of God is true, and then we have to understand the context. So, when was it written? When was it written? Well, it would have been written by someone who had walked with Jesus Christ, Luke. It's amazing. Why was it written? It was written to give us the history of the New Testament church. And then to whom was it written? It was written to Theophilus. Now, I think I looked through about 10 of my commentaries um, over the last week, just reading the introductions to these commentaries. And let me just tell you something. If you want to realize you've wasted your life as a theologian, start reading the introduction to commentaries on the book of Acts. It is amazing the number of trees that have died to, to give you all this stuff. Man, there's entire sections on who was Theophilus. Do you, you want to know who Theophilus was? I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us who he was. There's no historical record of him. Was he an actual person? 
Well, I think so, because the, it's most excellent Theophilus, it's, so it's a person. It's not just a, so Theophilus is a Greek word that means uh, lover of God. And so is this written to every lover of God? That's the question that's asked. Or is it written to an individual named Theophilus? Can I just tell you something that you probably shouldn't hear from your pastor? I don't care. If God really wanted us to know that, he would have been more clear about that. I do think, because he's given a title, most excellent, that he was probably some kind of a nobleman, and he was somebody that came to Christ. And so this is Luke, by the Holy Spirit. God wanted to make sure that this this man understood the truth. He was probably a Greek. He was not a Jew. He would have been a Gentile because of the name Theophilus. And those are the things that we can know. So who is it addressed to? This Gentile who needed to learn about Jesus, the book of Luke, and then he needed to learn about the church and how the church was established by the book of Acts. So this is why it was written. What's the context? The context is the place where it is in our New Testament. That's not an accident. It's a transitional book, and it's important that we know that. So that's our, those are our foundational principles. Every word of God is true. We have to understand the context, when it was written, why it was written, to whom it was written. Okay, that's our introduction to the book of Acts. I could make it really boring. So let's go on. You say, you've done a good job of that, Pastor. I'm already bored to tears. All right, so what is our, so that's our foundation. Those are our foundational principles. What's our foundational premise? That the church is still important. The church is still necessary. The church is still needed. So do you remember what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approach. So Jesus Christ is coming back. Why is the church, why do we need to study this? Well, it's important to study history because God told us to. Isaiah 46, 9 says, remember the former things of old, for I am God. Remember the former things of old. So it has been said that, uh, that another title for the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles in our Bible, the, the, another title could be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So all the way in verse 2, at the beginning, we see the introduction of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Luke was about all that Jesus had done and taught, his, his, what, he, what he taught and what he did. That's what the Gospel of Luke was about. This until, so he taught all those things by the Holy Spirit until he was taken up. So we see the Holy Ghost introduced at the very beginning of the book of Acts. So what we're going to be seeing a lot of is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what do we learn? That the only way we can do the, the work of the New Testament church in the church age is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Where does the power of the Holy Ghost come from? We're going to be looking at that. But let me give you the short answer. It comes from the Word of God. When you are saved, the, you're born again. That is that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. Then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. Amen? It's not something that happens later. It happens when you're born again. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Not only does the Holy Spirit come to dwell in us, the Bible says, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, you are not born again. If you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, right? 
So then we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, that 1 Corinthians 12, 13, into the body of Christ, into Christ, and then we function as a church in this local body. How do we do that? How do we do, we do it through the Holy Spirit? How do we get the Holy Spirit? By being saved. How do we understand the power of the Holy Spirit? That's through the Word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So what we're going to see is at the beginning of the book of Acts, you have a lot of miracles happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how the miracles are done, through the Holy Spirit. Is that right? I can't do miracles. Unless the Holy Spirit wants to do the miracle, I can't do miracles. Can the Holy Spirit still do miracles? Does God still have the ability to overrule the laws of nature? Yes, because he wrote the laws of nature. He is not bound by them. We believe that. Do I have the power to overcome the laws of nature? No. No, I don't. If you want proof of that, look at my golf swing. I don't know what it is, but it's not violating the laws of nature, I can tell you that. So, the book of Acts, our fundamental premise is that the church is important. The church is vital. At this period of time, the church is necessary. Now, there's so many things that I want to say right now. The the Texas school shooting. The the shooting in Buffalo that just happened. The the all of the 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 damage that's happening in the world because of, of the different government mandates, whether it's vaccines or whatever, all, all of these things that are going on in the world. The, 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 the Davos thing that just happened, and Pfizer comes out and says that they want to put a chip in every pill that we take. How many of you saw that? Saw the guy say that? Well, how about no? How about that? It's crazy, right? When we see that there are governmental movements, worldwide governmental movements, that want to limit population and reduce population. Here's what's happening. We are, because the Word of God has been removed from our culture, and people don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about biblical morality. Here's what's happening. That has not freed people. Because the, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you don't have access to the truth, then you're not free. You're in bondage. Right? Is that right? That's the world that we're living in. So rather than... Being when, when people are freed from Christianity, that doesn't make them free from guilt. What that does is it, it puts them in bondage to something else. And what is that? It's absolute paganism. And what does paganism always do? Pagan, listen, paganism always sacrifices children. That's what paganism does. That, that's what it does. 
But people don't go and kill children in the name of Jesus. Is that right? Now, in the Crusades, they did. That was satanic. It was wicked. But, but when we're talking about an individual, there's always something that goes along with it. Now, let me say this. I don't know if there's ever been one of these shooters that wasn't on some kind of medication. Is that fair? I think that that's a conversation that we need to have. I'm not anti-medication, but, but there's, there's an issue with this. And I don't know if there's ever been one of these shooters that was not openly anti-God. Because what this does, I would love to get into details. I'm not going to get into details today. If you're here and you've never heard me speak on these things, I could speak on these things in a very informed way. I'm trying to speak in general terms right now. What paganism does, paganism objectifies and abuses women. Paganism, what, here's listen to what it does. It divides people into races. Always. Always. Paganism abuses women, makes them property. This is what paganism does. Because paganism ultimately is the rule of the powerful. And then paganism always abuses children. Look at the history of the world, folks. That was my world. Studied history for decades. When you look at the history of the world, paganism kills children, abuses women, and divides civilizations into classes and races. This is what it does. Christianity, look at Acts chapter 17. Look at what it says in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. This is the, the, the pinnacle of paganism, Mars Hill, in Athens. And said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are what? Too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. This is what Christianity does. What Christianity does is it makes the whole human race one, wherever they are in the world, while defending property boundaries, while defending property rights, while defending national boundaries. This is what Christianity teaches. He's given the government the sword. 
to be a, a terror to the evildoers. And yet, everyone is equal in the sight of God. Do all people have blood? What happens when you don't have enough blood? You die. It's vital that we understand this. This is biblical Christianity. We're all one. Amen? And we all need Christ. And then what he wants us to do is gather together in local assemblies. And when we gather together in these assemblies, we learn some things. How are those assemblies funded? By the people who are in them. Right? How are these assemblies ruled? Well, by the people that are in them. What is the rule book for the people in those assemblies? The Bible. It's all really simple. It's when men start building organizations on top of what the Bible has said, or I'm sorry, in place of what the Bible has said. When there's an organization that supersedes what the Bible says, now we have all kinds of trouble. Why? Because people mess stuff up. Because we're people. Now, why is the church important? Because this world will chew you up and spit you out. In this time when we should be more equal than ever before, we're more divided than ever before. And now when you stand up and say, I believe in absolute truth, well, that's considered hate. And there are people that want to actually kill you for that. You know what the good news is? You're not alone. This is why God established the church. This is why we're here. And young people, here's what I want you guys to know. First of all, I love you more than you could ever know. And the reason this church exists, I'm not, it's for the children. It's because you guys, if you guys aren't serving God in the next generation, then we're wasting our time. And what I don't want Christianity to be for you guys is a bunch of rules. So a couple of these guys have shorts on. I, I was in Chicago with a preacher. We're in the Nike store. This is 20 years ago. And I said, Those, these shorts are cool. And he, he said that Christians shouldn't wear shorts. And I said, well, when Jesus girded up his loins, you know, they have a robe. They gird it up. They tie it up in the belt then they're wearing shorts. I said, Jesus wore shorts. Listen to what this preacher said. Leave Jesus out of this. <laughs> I promise. I promise. That's what happened. So how many of you grew up in a situation where if some young guys came to church in shorts that, you know, that was a really bad thing? Right? I don't care. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad they're not any shorter because I don't want to see that. You know what I'm saying? The 1980s Larry Bird shorts, Right? There, there really ought to be a law. I walked in. I walked into the gym back then, 1981, Bible College. I think I've told you this. White shorts, short white shorts, and there's not a whiter man in the world than me. And my buddy, Kenny Flickinger, he walked up and said, never wear those shorts again. I don't want you guys to think that Christianity is a bunch of rules. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? See, that's not what the church is about. The church is not about a bunch of rules. 
And yet, you're going to go to King's Island. There's going to be a set of rules for how you're supposed to behave when you go to King's Island. Welcome to the world. Why? Why do we have those rules? Because you guys are morons. Do you know why we know that? Because we were you. When I graduated from college, I left the first college. <laughs> I was asked to leave the first college. <laughs> and somebody said, did you graduate? I said, the only honor I got was about 20 extra pages in the student handbook. The stuff Alter did, you can't do that. Okay, so there's going to be rules to go to King's Island. There's rules at your school. There's, how many of you have jobs? Any of you have jobs? How many of you have rules at your job? Right? This is life. This is the world. You've got to have rules. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is that Jesus Christ loved you so much. First of all, he created you. He gifted you. And now, Lord willing, he has saved you. Hope you're born again. And here's what, you, here's what will happen. If you will just believe what God says the church is supposed to be and what you're supposed to be in the church and then out in the community, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a great life. Now, if you follow, you know, the, the, what social media says you're supposed to be, you follow the commercials, and you, 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 know, you have this image in your mind of what you're supposed to look like or what you're supposed to do, all that's going to do is lead you to misery. Right, right, adults? Isn't that the truth? So, the, it, through the book of Acts, what I want you young people to do, as you listen to me teach through this, I want you to know what the church is actually supposed to be. Why do we do things the way that we do? Here in a little while, we're going to baptize. Why do we baptize the way that we do? The book of Acts teaches us this. It's not just a tradition. It's because God told us to do it this way. Uh, this is what I want you guys to know that Christianity is about the love of Christ. It's not about stopping your fun. I want you to know that. And I know that as a pastor, I look back at my early days you guys don't, do you guys know who Bobby Knight was? Okay. Bobby Knight wouldn't be allowed to coach anymore. Right? Why? He was too mean. Well, see, that was the way that I was raised, whether it was playing sports or at church. So let's, let's say that uh, Dylan was messing around during the service, talking to his buddy. It's like, hey, straighten up. Listen to me when I'm preaching. Man, you do that to a kid now. Mom and dad are mad. They leave the church. All, how many of you remember those things? And I, I used to do that stuff because that's the way I was raised. Be honest with me. How many of you got hit by a coach? Raise your hand. A coach hit you. How, how many of you had a coach kick you? I did. Good luck doing that now. It's a different world. And here's what happened. Preachers like me you say, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm talking to the young people about the church. Y'all just do what you want for a minute. People that were raised like me, dealing with teenagers, it was nothing for if you're messing around for me to grab you by the ear and drag you into the back room and sit you down. But if that's what a young person thinks Christianity is, now we have a big problem. Amen? Now, let's be honest. How many of you know some kids that need to be dragged by the ear into the back room? Okay. I was one of those, I promise you. But here's what happens. There's all these websites, recovering fundamentalist websites and all of this kind of stuff, talking about abuses in the church. Has there been abuse in churches? Absolutely. 
and it's wicked, it's from the pit of hell, it should never happen. Amen? Have I been abusive? I probably have. Not physically abusive, but I've gotten angry with people before. I've probably said things that I shouldn't say. That's a reproach on the name of Christ. Uh, No, thank God it's been years and years and years. But especially in my early days, I was Bobby Knight. We, We can't be that way. Amen? And yet, listen, it's so important. That doesn't define what a church is. If someone in your past behaved in a way that was not um, commensurate or doesn't go along with what New Testament Christianity is supposed to be, that doesn't diminish what the church is supposed to be. I mentioned the Crusades a few minutes ago. You know, there there are Jews and there are Arabs that will never come to Christ because of what happened in the Crusades a thousand years ago, 800 years ago. How many of you know that that's true? And what that did is that misrepresented Christianity. The pogroms where where Jews were tormented. There'd be a passion play, and then Jews were tormented and persecuted and killed and and run out of town. That's the reason that Jews won't come to Christ. But, But listen, that behavior does not determine what the church is supposed to be. The Bible determines what the church is supposed to be. So if you young people have a bad experience at church, don't let that determine what Christ and Christianity is for you. Because I promise you, for every, you know, impatient teacher that you have or or whatever, impatient preacher that you have, there are 400 people here that love you and have invested in you and care about you. The church is still important. Because we care about young people, we care about their future, we care about the family, we care about the home. The book of Acts has information about all of these things. We care about the message that this church preaches. And can you imagine a more important message than that in 2022? It's amazing. It's amazing. So, I know I've got to stop. Our foundational principles, our foundational premise, the New Testament church is needed. And then our foundational promise. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Our foundational promise, this same Jesus, he's coming back. He's coming back. Why do we need to study the book of Acts? Because... Let's finish with this. Keep your place in Acts 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. And I understand this has not been an expositional sermon today. It's the setup. Trust me, you'll get more verses than you want. So look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter, uh, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse 25. 
Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This same Jesus, the one that died for us, the one that that spent those 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, that's the Christ that ascended. This same Jesus is the one that's returning. Amen? Who's he returning for? The church. The church. Let's say that Christ doesn't return for another 500 years. Doesn't that seem strange? It sure seems like he's going to come back any minute. But let's say that he doesn't return for another 500 years. What are the churches going to look like? What are they going to look like? What's Grace Baptist Church going to look like? Young people, here's what's so important. It's up to you. So we're going to learn what a church is supposed to be from the book of Acts, what it was, what it's supposed to be. And then it's up to you guys to make sure that happens in the future. It's up to you. I'm almost done. I have less time left here than I have had in the past. It's up to you. That generation that came before you guys, that we saw their pictures last night or last week, they're not here anymore. Where are they? They're with the Lord. But Grace Baptist is still here. Why? Because that next generation. So Pete Lime, Pete and Ruby Lime, they're here with the founding and Jeff gets saved and they've raised Sue and Jeff can raise his children to love the Lord. And now we have Ty is one of our leaders. Brandon's going to the mission field. Kent and Jet are going to be axe murderers. We're praying for them. Serving God, raising godly kids here in the church. Dan New comes. He's nine years old. Is that what you told me? Nine years old? Oh, you're 17. Okay. I mean, you're really old now then. And so what he did, he he comes, he gets established and raises his family and his children are serving God and his grandchildren going to serve God and great-grandchildren here ready to serve God. We're trying to keep Ryan from destroying the family. That's the prayer. This is God's plan. This is God's plan. There's not that many of these younger people left. Now they're the older folks. Ty looks like he shaved off the Charles Darwin look, but he's he's got that. I remember being in your living room, uh, Eric. Were you 17 years old? Something like that. Now he's in charge of ministries and serving God. This is the plan. Amen? But, you know, the holes claws are trying to keep Dylan from fooling around in church so I don't have to yell at him. It's up to Dylan what happens to this church in the next generation. If you're in this area. If you're not in this area, you need to do it somewhere else. It's up to you. You guys have to begin accepting that responsibility. And this study through the book of Acts is vital for that. Because we care about you. And we're going to do everything to protect you, to keep you pure, 
And, and that's where some of the rules come in. But ultimately, you need to know that the church is here for your good. And God cares what happens here. And you need to care what happens in the next generation. Study is vital for us. Amen? Why? Because this same Jesus is coming back. That's our foundational promise. He's coming back for the church. You know what the good news is? That means the church is still going to be here. You know, I'm not going to take the time today. I'm sure we'll get to it during this study. Let's all stand together. I'm sure we'll get to it during this study. But you have this, the, the idea of the Reformation, that in 1517, Martin Luther rediscovered the gospel. What, because it had been lost? Nobody had been saved for a thousand years? Is that what we're to think? No, 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 no. If Jesus Christ had returned then, there would have been believers, there would have been churches that were functioning properly. Amen? And yet, there was global darkness. There was global darkness. We're heading into another period of global darkness if the churches don't do what they're supposed to do. And what is the church supposed to do? Acts chapter 1. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. That's what you're supposed to be. See, if Grace Baptist Church stopped being a witness, the only reason Grace Baptist Church will stop being a witness is if Ed Bermond stops being a witness, if, if, uh, if Matt Hickman stops being a witness, if Dave Spicer stops being a witness, if, if Jeff Blackford stops being a witness. Amen? Because the church isn't the building. The church isn't Jim Alter. The church is all of you. It's Adam Clutter. It's, it's us. It's Lincoln Smith. You're the future. It, it, it's vital. Amen? It's so important that we... Is the church still necessary in 2022? Well, obviously, you think it is. You're here. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, we know we're here. Casadoras. I can't close this without asking you, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Are you sure? If you're not sure of that, if you know how to tell someone how they can be sure, would you raise your hand? You know how to hold them up. If you're here and you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven, just go talk to one of these people. You could leave here today knowing for sure that heaven is your home. If we stop saying that there's no reason to be here, let's sell the building and let's go play golf. But if, if, God still has a purpose for the church, then let's make sure that we are fulfilling that purpose. Amen? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to preach it and teach it. In Jesus' name, amen.